Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We got the gang back together. Lucas is back with us today. Oh, 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 he, hey, man. Uh, Lucas got exiled to, uh, what was your, what was your wake up time yesterday? And how many alarms did you set for yourself? 430. Uh, and just the one. I'm, really? I'm, I, yeah, I'm good about that. I, I, people set like a bunch of alarms. When I'm up, I'm up. Like I'll, str- I'll sit there for a minute and, and wait like 10 minutes before I actually get up, but I won't fall back asleep. Oh, but the question, did you look at your clock throughout the night? So did you have interrupted sleep being paranoid that you would oversleep or Missed the alarm. Okay, actually, I slept very well, but okay. the alarm actually did not wake me up. I woke up five minutes before the alarm. Ah. It's something about my body telling me, like, you need you need to be up right now. Like, my brain is just back. That happens whenever I got to get up super early. I'll wake up literally two minutes before the alarm goes off oh, when I got to get up really early. Yeah. It's a I, weird thing. Yeah, I wake is. up, like, every 37 minutes and then again five minutes before the alarm. I've been there, too. Every, and the, and the every, longer every you day? struggle to sleep, the no, worse it gets. but, like, if, if you said, all right, oh, I got tomorrow, you man, you and me are going to fly to Jacksonville. We're going to do the show with Leon, Searcy, and all those guys down there. It's our buddies. And you're like, but we got to leave at 530. I wouldn't be able to go to sleep until about 1245. Then I would wake up at 130. Uh, 2.01, 2.50, 3.14, 3.37. I, I would wake up 17 times. I know that feeling. It's the anxiety of knowing you got to yeah. be up. And the longer My you struggle to sleep. My wife is exactly like that. Because <laughs> it's all on the line. Like, I messed this up. I'm a grown A person. I, I'm supposed to, like, when it goes ding, 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 I'm supposed to get up and go take a shower, pack my bag and go. But I'm just terrified. Like, my phone alarm won't work. The power will go off. Just something oh. will happen. So I'm just going to keep waking up all night long. That's why I hate so to know. So you don't have any good sleep there. You ne- watch this. You never reach REM sleep. No, I never. No, dude. <laughs> Me and Lucas, we reach our, our, our REM sleep. Because people say, you know, well, if you, what, that's the stage of sleep where you dream and everything. Yeah. I never dream. I don't have dreams anymore. Yeah, me neither. I thought you said you just you dreamed that you're the, the third string quarterback or something. I, I used to have that dream all the time. I also all used to have this time. dream all the time that I could dunk a basketball. All the time <laughs> I had that dream. And I wasn't just like a violent dunker like Dominique. I could fly through the air like Michael Jordan. Oh my. So you <laughs> I mean Dominique could fly through the air. He oh, could he was the human so highlight. You were, up there, you were doing that with Bugs Bunny and all the other crew. It looked like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yep. Not Jackrabbit, but so you, Bugs you, Bunny. You can't you can't do that. You can't dream anymore. No, I never have dreams anymore. And if I ever do, even remotely, they're bad, and they wake me up. Oh. So my son came in last night, and he's like, I had a real bad dream. I said, okay, I'll tuck you in. This was 1245. I had gone to bed at 1220. I still wasn't asleep, but I was almost asleep. So he came in there. <laughs> I was almost asleep, and I'm like, okay, I'll, t- I'll tuck you back in. So he goes and lays back down. I said, what was your dream about? He goes, I dreamed I fell in a big thorn bush, and it just wouldn't stop poking me. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the thorn bush for the segue of maybe Urban Meyer has fallen in the thorn bush. <laughs> okay. Uh, we didn't get into this too much yesterday. We're talking <laughs> Titans. We're trying to rehab everybody after a tough weekend of total sadness by a lot of people who listen to this show and the station. So we didn't get into too much. Well, the Titans are about to play Urban Meyer's team. So we can go ahead and, and, as my friend used to say, switch the flip onto Urban Meyer. So there's there's all this stuff out. Man. So here's Michael Lombardi, who's covered the NFL for years. Yes, Michael Lombardi. Is. According to two Jacksonville sources, there are many closed-door meetings happening over the last two days in the football offices, and none of them have anything to do with the Titans. He said, stay tuned. This might get ugly. That's Michael Lombardi. So then here's Mike Silver. 
who's another one of these OG, been around forever guys. We all see Mike Silver at the Super Bowl. He tweeted a whole thread. And if you're like, you're an alien, you just landed in a spaceship on Earth. Maybe you haven't seen this or whatever, because not everybody's on social media. Maybe you've at least heard about it. So Urban Meyer has a restaurant in Ohio. He stayed after. Do you ever? You, I figured this out. I don't have no restaurant. You, you played 10 years yeah. in the NFL. So that's roughly 10 times 10 road trips, eight regular season and two preseason. So that's roughly 100 road trips. Do you ever remember Coach Fisher? Because you, you only played for Coach Fisher and Andy Reid your first year. Mm-hmm. It was Jack Pardee. Jack Pardee. So you played for three coaches. Mm-hmm. Do you ever remember getting on a plane and like going, where's the head coach? And then going, I stayed behind. No. He stayed behind. He didn't go home with them. They lost. They were cruising. I, I, now, I can't say uh, some players have. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I think it's uh... – Uncommon, as much as people think. Uh, what reason would the players have? Like family, uh, they have family there. Yeah, yeah, they have family there, and maybe it was our bye week the next week, and so we were going to have off long as they weren't injured or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, it was always family related. Okay, or maybe they had uh, something to do with their foundation. Mm-hmm. I think that happened one time. Uh, so yeah, it, all legitimate excuses. So he he stayed he he there's there's videos from two different angles of he and a, a a young lady who's not his wife and they're just kind of I don't know she's they're in very close contact let's say and there's a second video that we saw yesterday right as we came he in would, here he would have got flagged for a penalty he would a, a legal Breaking use of the goals. hands for that second one oh. less than six feet it, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah he was uh, it, there were hands to the face but there were hands to another body part in the in the video the second video we saw so. All this happened. He came out, apologized. He said that he apologized to his team. Then he had to do his media availability like every coach does. Have, have you got this? It's only like a minute and 40 seconds. This is what Urban Meyer said when he spoke to the media in Jacksonville yesterday about how things had gone and what happened and what he had said to the team. Yeah, I, uh, I just apologized to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction. is stupid. Uh, and so I explained everything that happened and owned it and you know just stupid uh should not have myself in that kind of position urban did you did you fly back with the team or did you stay in um, no i stayed to see the grandkids and we all went to dinner that night at the restaurant and then there's a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and i did and and they were trying to pull me out on the dance floor screwing around and i should have left how did the team react well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just, my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself because I've seen this happen. And, uh, and I just, so the team, the team uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one-on-one, spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They were focused on Tennessee and I apologized again for being a distraction, and uh, a coach should not be a distraction. What how, about your, how about your family? Did you also did you feel a need to apologize to your family? Yeah, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, that's not me, and that's. Uh, uh, oh yeah, they're upset. Have you talked to Shad Khan about it, and what was that conversation like? 
I did talk to Shad and uh, um, very supportive and uh, Trent I talked to him obviously at length uh, right when I got that phone call that night uh, the ne next night So that's what Urban said. This is from Mike Silver. This this came out this morning. He tweeted this thread. Uh, thread, and it's it's a handful of different tweets. He said, the Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point, especially in the locker, locker room. One player told me he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with. Players were particularly put off by the fact that Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over the videos of him and a young woman getting cozy and that Ohio bar, this is, I'm just reading the tweets. He even canceled the team meeting. He was too scared, a player said. Uh, Meyer only apologized to position groups individually. He portrayed the woman in the video as a random person who was just there dancing. Suffice it to say, uh, his audience was highly skeptical, says Mike Silver. Said one player, we looked at him like WTF, and he's not saying Washington football team. Uh, right when he left, everyone started dying laughing, and he knew it. Bottom line, said the player, it's bad. I don't know how he's going to function. Sir Mike Silver, who said he talked to players. And then this was this was a statement from Shad Khan today. I've addressed this matter with Urban. Specifics of what our conversation, specific, specifics of our conversation will be held in confidence. What I will say is his conduct last weekend was inexcusable. I appreciate Urban's remorse, which I believe is sincere. Now he must regain our trust and respect. That will require a personal commitment from Urban to everyone who supports represents or plays for our team. I'm confident he will deliver. That's from Shad Khan, Jag's owner. Mm. Meanwhile, a lot of people act as though <laughs> this is the last threat of Urban Meyer as the head coach. Uh, so, yeah, and the reason why we're talking about Urban Meyer, guess who? The Titans play. The Jags. <laughs> and he is the head coach. Uh, so are they going to rally the troops? Doesn't sound like it. Sounds like. They may just play as individuals and say, hey, we got to do our job, and that requires us winning a loss. It doesn't really matter. I'm trying to trying to get paid. Yeah. yeah and, uh, it's going to be interesting because if you have your coaches back and you trust in them, I, I think it's a little different. They kind of rally the troops, and they go out there and play really well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, granted, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars, so they're supposed to do their job. But there's there's a part behind it where – Guys can play as individuals just to make some plays or go for a pick when you know you have deep third and you go to a flat player. Mm -hmm. Just trying to make a play because you said, oh, I saw this on film. I can go make a play. Mm -hmm. It's not your play to be made. Right. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think he survives. I think he's going to get one more sh one more straw. I really do. I could be totally wrong. We were over there talking to uh, – I was talking to Rhett, and Rhett and Brian, is, he's like, nah, I think he's gone after a couple of days, so – a lot of people feel that way, though. I'll say this. There's a laundry list of things that have yeah. built up to this, the, and I get it. The list just keeps growing, and, and, and I know this. I've said this before when a college coach is getting in trouble, and I said what ultimately ends you in those, in those situations is you may even be great friends with the chancellor. You may great, be great friends with the athletic director. What ultimately gets you canned is – the board of trustees saying the chancellor, I'm tired of being embarrassed by this guy. He's got when to in go. In this situation, it's the owner. Yeah, and in this case, it's Shad Khan. So he had to release a statement about his head coach. And I can tell you, you know this. The people at the top, they don't like it. It'd be like if your kid was the one who shot out all the nightlights in your neighborhood and you had to make the phone call to the – no parent, no boss, nobody likes to have to make a statement or cover the tracks of somebody who they're responsible for, and Shai Khan just had to do that. 
Right. And the only reason why I say they'll give him a straw, if you can find some way to morally get out of this contract where you're not paying his entire contract. Yeah. I'd be dang if I fire and you get to sit at home for, what, four or five more years and make millions of dollars. Yeah, you, you, almost like you did this on purpose. See, that's how I would feel. Yep. So I'm going to find something in the contract where morally I can get out of some of this contract for sure. And then I think all bets are off. Uh, so, you know, conduct detrimental to the team. I mean, there's, you know, just like a player. So if there's a way out of that, I, I would probably uh, consider it or, or think that he possibly could no longer be the head coach there. But if I can, I'm going to give him one more one more strike. Uh, I, I'm going to give him another straw. I have to. I, I just, man, we went all in with, yeah. with this guy. Oh, yeah. He's got control. Yeah. And he can take a running back in, in the first round. Right, and he didn't take an offensive lineman <laughs> to protect his, his investment. You his know. investment. Yeah, well, they didn't even need a running back. They had a thousand yard rushing running back who's now hurt. Yeah. Uh, you, well, anyway, th- this is all going on in Jacksonville. We'll certainly keep an eye on this this week. But uh, owner making statements, players talking behind his back. It, it's not a pretty scene. Uh, if you're the Titans, you need to take care of business. I'll tell you who took care of business on Saturday. That was the Tennessee Vols. They went to Missouri and did anything and everything they wanted against the Tigers. Mike Wilson is set to join us next to dis- discuss all that. This week's game against South Carolina. That's coming up next. Talking balls on Blaine and Mickey. Should have Mike Wilson on here in a second to, to talk balls. Oh, he zoomed in. He that stealthy Mike Wilson. That stealthy rascal joins us. I, I know. It I just know. I, we you want to see you, Mike. We're gonna have to open up Zoom so we can see him at by Mike Wilson on Twitter, Knoxville News Sentinel. <laughs> you stealthy rascal! You're like a high Pelophians just cruising into <laughs> Columbia, Missouri, and just taking whatever it wants. What are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm gonna sneak there and just punch you in the mouth 62 times. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty much my plan of attack, too. Dang, man! <laughs> Did you see that coming, Mike? Be honest. I- I didn't. So what's funny, um, every week at the new Sentinel, we have, I think about eight to 10 people pick the Tennessee game, project the score. Um, I was by far the most bullish on Tennessee going into this game. And I had them winning 37 to 24. So I was a solid 25 points off. uh, (laughs) They they, they had eclipsed my projection by halftime. You did get the Missouri part right, though, right? Didn't they have 20? Nailed it. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's Vegas. Wilson joins us now, nailing Missouri's point total uh, with ease. So this is funny. We talked about this all week. And I, every time we went into segment, I'd say, I think, they, I think they can win. It's a game they can win. And mm-hmm. Doug Matthews came on with us, and he said, fellas, if you're even with somebody in the SEC or you're perceived as even or you're trying to come back from this or that or you've been struggling, he said, Anytime you have a game like this, you have got to win it. And they didn't just win it, Mike. They got off the bus and just destroyed them. Yeah, I was confused by the Vegas, for one, going into this game, and and two, just in general. I was pretty high on Missouri going into the year. I thought Basilak was really good as a freshman, Uh and he has taken a jump. Um, But the defense is so bad. Mm. I mean, Missouri's defense is just – a pitiful disaster to watch. And so I, I didn't really understand people picking Missouri in this game because they haven't been good, uh, especially in stopping, stopping the ball in any way, especially on the ground. And, and Tennessee, I thought had a shot. 
I thought they showed enough good signs at Florida, despite only scoring 14 points, that they were going to go in there and win uh, by double digits. Now, I didn't think, again, 40 points, but it seemed to me like Tennessee was going to win that game. Well, and, and a lot of us have been talking about this, and you've probably said it, and everybody who's listening who's watched us probably said it. Hypel has been calling good games. They've just had a bunch of penalties, and they haven't executed. It felt like finally – they executed the stuff that he called, and then look what happened. Yeah, I think they only had two penalties, two in that game for 20, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they had double digits in two of their first four games, both of which were their losses. Uh, so that, that's definitely a huge factor. But I know when you see Hendon Hooker connect on a deep ball early, which you saw at Florida and Missouri, they're like, okay, this offense can do some things because they're not missing those downfield plays. Uh, Javante Payton's been great at wide receiver. And you nailed it. It's, it's execution. It's not getting in your own way. And Tennessee did both of those things uh, at Missouri. They stayed out of their way and they executed. And against a bad defense, <laughs> that led to 62 points. Mike Wilson uh, joining us from the Knoxville News Sentinel here con- covering the balls on Blaine and Mickey. Mike, I'm interested in, is Missouri's defense better than, uh, who did the uh, Vols play, uh, Tennessee Tech? Who did they play? I mean, man, uh, <laughs> they were running through huge gaps, man. Mike, I think you might have scored a touchdown if you played running back. You know, so the one challenge there is I only had one shoe on during the game on Saturday <laughs> uh, because I discovered a crack in the sole of my shoe as I walked over to Missouri Stadium on a rainy day. So I had a wet sock and couldn't wear my shoe during the game. But, yes, I still think even with one shoe on, I might have had a shot at finding the end zone in that game. Man, well, I tell you what, Evans and I know Small got banged up, man, but they look like the real deal with Hooker. Finally, I think they may not ever say it, but I think he's the guy. He's their quarterback. What would you say? I think he's been the guy. Uh, You know, it was so interesting going into the year. Just there was obviously an obsession with Joe Milton, which I understand uh, the big arm. You see the, the physical tools that made him a highly regarded recruit, made Michigan love him, made him the starter at Michigan. But then on the field at Tennessee, you saw what you saw on the field at Michigan, which is what led to him not being the starter there and now not being the starter at Tennessee. Hooker gives you what he gives you and you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, and when you've got the skill players that Tennessee has at running back and wide receiver, that's all you need at quarterback. Just put the ball in their hands, make the throws, make the simple throws, execute, and you're going to score some points. And that's exactly what Hennon Hooker's given them. So I thought ever since he came into that pick game, it's been pretty clear that he's the mm-hmm. guy. Yep. And yep. now there's absolutely no question left. Well, I predicted that they would win six games. Six games is still a possibility to get into a bowl game. What do you think? It certainly is. And the Missouri one was the second game that you could kind of deem as one of those swing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitt was the first. Yeah. Uh, now you're going to another one with South Carolina. This is another game that, you know, when you're looking to get to six wins, you've got to beat South Carolina. You had to beat Missouri. Uh, you probably got to go beat Kentucky. That's probably the other one in there. Cause then you've got South Alabama left in the non-conference that puts you at six wins. Uh, Kentucky's not a gimme. Um, you know, Ole Miss is coming in here and they can score some points, not a gimme either, but you can see a path uh, for Tennessee football at this point uh, to get to six wins, which, you know, we've talked about this before on here, getting to a bowl game in your first season as, as a head coach is an important thing. Uh, that, that's key to be able to go out there on the recruiting trail. It's key when you've got the, the lack of depth Tennessee does to keep developing. Uh, so getting to a bowl game is a huge priority here. Well, with Mike Wilson with Knoxville News Sentinel. So uh, Alex Golish said today, Jalen Hyatt is learning 
how to basically function in the offense. Uh, and, and I just kept thinking, I mean, we saw an explosion Sunday. Jalen Hyde has four catches on the season. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But, uh, well, you throw an engaged and, and getting things done Jalen Hyde into this offense, and that's a whole nother gear they'd have. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing. And I noticed that Saturday at a point, I didn't know if he'd even played. Um, but going into the year, when you're looking at Tennessee's wide receivers, it was 1A, 1B, Bayless Jones and Jalen Hyatt. And, and Hyatt just hasn't had that presence on this offense. And mind you, it is a crowded receiver room. Cedric Tillman, Javante Payton, guys like that are in there uh, and making a lot of plays. But yeah, that was such an interesting comment. And the comment was kind of echoed in a way about Jimmy Calloway too, who's another guy that the Tennessee is very excited about because you see the physical skills for those two guys, but it's certainly a different offense than what they were running previously. And I mean, I guess sometimes it takes a little bit of time to adjust uh, for, for more guys than others. And uh, that seems to be the case there with Jalen Hyatt, but the, the physical skills are no question that, that he's a threat. Um, and very curious to see what happens if, if and when he gets more involved in this offense. Well, and you mentioned Valus Jones. He, he's kind of on the other spin, end of the spectrum. He leads him in catches with 16, leads him in yards. Um, and this is a versatile and, and an interesting player, and, and, and I think since he's gotten there, a lot of all fans have just been thinking, you should probably find more ways to get him the ball. And it seems like, I mean, he's in the, the return game, he's catching passes, and he does things. I mean, this is a good thing for the offense. Yeah, I think he housed a third and 14 yep. uh, at, at Missouri. And I think there it was a bubble or a tunnel screen, one of the two. Um, and he cut in, and there really was nothing there. Uh, and, and he really made a lot out of nothing there and, and ran in from 35 yards out. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff you do see him give you. I think we got glimpses of that last season with uh, his performance at Vanderbilt. Uh, and, and you saw the previous staff get him more involved as, as the season went on. Yeah, this staff is trying to find ways to get him the ball, and they should. Uh, it just seems like good things happen uh, the more that Bayless Jones is involved in this offense. And I think early in the year, he was still feeling a little bit of the effects of a hammy that had been bothering him uh, through the preseason that kind of limited him. But it seems like he's full go now, and that's great news for Tennessee. Yeah, to add to that, Mike, though, uh, I mentioned you've been watching him a lot closer than, uh, than I have. Is he playing more slot? Because when you're a returner, you're more running back slot guy than an outside receiver. Not to say that you can't make plays, but you can be much more impactful and explosive in the slot when you're the shorter squatty guy who's explosive and is a kick returner. Is that where they playing him now? Yeah, you're seeing some of that for sure. Uh, he lines up across, but you're seeing some of that. And he's able to do that too because you've got a big guy like Tillman on the outside. outside. Uh, you've got Javante Payton who can play on the edge as well. Um, but w- the way they use Payton maybe is as interesting as anything to me with how often they stack him with other wide receivers. I mean, they ran that little switch route early in the game to get Payton a touchdown, um, get a favorable matchup for him. And I mean, you you see the offensive genius that, that's on this staff with some of the things they've been running the past couple of weeks as, as players are settling in, executing better. I mean, you can see the potential here, and you see why this offense puts up the numbers that it does just with how they find ways to get the guys the ball in the ways and and the moments that they can make plays with it. Did D Beckwith, like, MF somebody, or (laughs) did he, like, knock over all the Gatorade? Where's he been? We talked about him a lot this summer, it seems like, and he doesn't have any stats that I can find. Well, you know, the running back depth order was was interesting uh, at Missouri as well because Laneith Whitehead, 
was the third guy. Yeah. Uh, he had 23 yards in his career going to that game. Didn't play much last year because of injury. Uh, but he was the second guy. I think he was named freshman or co-freshman of the week in the SEC because he had like 75 some yards on the ground. Um, so he was the third guy ahead of Jalen Wright, who played behind Marcus Pierce, a uh, former Maryville College player who transferred in as a walk-on. Um, so the, the running back depth chart is kind of all over the place behind Evans and Small. But yeah, Beckwith really seems like he's not in the mix at all. Uh, he didn't travel to Missouri. Uh, what wasn't there for that? Don't believe he was at Florida the week before either. But yeah, you know, that that's someone that is a sports writer, too. We've written about and talked about because he's a six five running back. Yeah. And, you know, other than a Derrick Henry, you don't really see guys his size playing running backs. So you always wonder how that person will be used, but he's not being used at all. Mike Wilson, he's being used by us right now uh, <laughs> at by Mike Wilson on Twitter, talking Vols on Blaine and Mickey. Well, yeah, I, I guess we saw some of the talent on defense there with Jeremy Banks uh, really on the interception and his return skills and his ability to run. Man, he looked like an NFL linebacker there, man. Wow. I mean, that maybe that's what we've been waiting to see. And, man, he sure put it all together in this game. Yeah, my theory on that was, you know, he's a former running back, and he was, mm-hmm, he was yep. jealous about this stuff all his other uh, running backs were getting to do. So <laughs> he wanted to, wanted to get in on the action. But, no, that's – Jeremy Banks is, is such a, an attention-drawing player uh, on Tennessee's defense for good and bad reasons. You see the talent, you see the speed, and you see just the tenacity he plays football with, but that's worked against him at so many points with penalties and mistakes and just kind of boneheaded things. But when he plays a clean game like he did the other day, you have that exact reaction. You're like, wow, like that, that kid can play football. Um, and I think that's what makes the, the other moments maddening. But when he plays like that, I mean, you've got reason for more optimism um, about that, that front seven. So how's the recruiting front? Are they are they really stacking up uh, some recruits, or is it still kind of tough in the waters there uh, going into the next year or so? Yeah, I mean, I think it takes time for a new staff mm-hmm. to build traction, and, and you've certainly seen that. I mean, heck, Heifel and his staff got in there in, in late January, right before signing day last year. And by that point, you know, the previous staff's already working on 2022, 23, and those guys. So you really had to hit the ground there. and. Um, I think their class is ranked about 31st in the 24-7 composite at this point. So they've got some work to do there. But I, I think if you start stacking some performances with a lot of points, um, you'll, you'll see some different, different attitudes um, from high school players who you know, want to get the ball in their hands, want to make plays, see that this is an offense and a, and a place where that can really be a, a goal that's met. Well, naturally they have uh, South Carolina next, uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> What problems do they present, if any, in uh, Shane Beamer's uh, first year? That defensive line is, is really good. Um, with Ngbare kind of leading the way there, I think that's the strength, certainly, of, of this South Carolina team. They've just got dudes on the defensive line. Um, and I'm really interested to see that because Tennessee's offensive line played really well last week. Thought they played pretty well at Florida, too. I wasn't sold on them in the first three games, though. Um, and I think this is probably – probably their biggest test. I'm not sure if this unit's better than Florida's, um, but it's certainly close in that mix. So how Tennessee handles that defensive line is going to be key to me and what I watch on Saturday. When you watch a hypo-style team, I'm not even just talking about offense, what would you say the identity of the team is today? Man, it's so interesting being a person covering this program. Because, you know, we haven't gotten to go to practices since the season started. 
but I remarked to someone during one of the preseason practices on what a different attitude uh, there seemed to be around everyone and everything uh, to do with Tennessee football. Um, you know, I'm obviously not participating in practices or at the whole thing or running through it, but it, it seemed like it was a chore and a task um, under the previous regime. This time, it, it seems like players like being out there, um, seem to like being around each other, um, buying in together. And I think you see that show up in games now where, you know, that, that pit game and the Florida game too, which Tennessee was in until midway through the third quarter, those are games last year that you saw Tennessee lose by 20 points more than they should have because you just didn't really see the attitude and toughness and togetherness um, that, that I really think you're seeing. Uh, I think you're seeing a different attitude, a different, different composure um, to this football team than, than what we'd seen for the past couple of years of, of Tennessee football. So it's different. Um, that's the best way I can describe it is it, you, you just kind of, you can sense it and it just feels like there's a different air around everything they're doing. Well, with Mike Wilson, Knoxville new Sentinel. It's interesting, Mike, because John Bryce was on last week and he said that his words were buy-in. He said, there's just a buy-in that there hasn't been down there in a long time. He, he used that phrase to describe it. Yeah. And looking at today, Alex Golish was kind of asked about players buying in and believing in the system. And I think his quote was the ones that didn't buy in aren't here anymore. Yeah. I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. Like that, that, that kind of speaks to it. Like that, that very much tells you, you know, this staff wanted to see the buy-in and and the guys were buying in are the guys that are doing it. And that, that attitude's important. And yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, you can, as a sports writer standing 20, 30 yards away from a team, if you can kind of feel that that attitude's different, I think it tells you how different it really is. So you're a relatively young guy. I don't think you were on the Tennessee beat when Urban was at Florida, but you've covered Tennessee and college football for some time now, just to kind of cross over into what we're seeing this week as the Titans get ready to play the Jaguars. Are you even remotely surprised with any of the issues that they're having in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer right now? So I was not on this beat, but I did cover Michigan State from 2013 to 16. Um, They had Ohio State in two of those years, once in the Big Ten uh, title game in 2013. And I think they played them the next year in the regular season. They played them all three years. I lied. Yeah, they lost to them in 2014 and won on a last-second field goal in 2015. That roundabout way of saying we've kind of seen this before, haven't we? (laughs) Like Like this isn't. We've seen this go around before, um, you know, and what, what's the saying? Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, whatever the saying is. I mean, you're seeing it. Um, it's a mess, and, man, I wouldn't want to be in Jacksonville Jaguars meetings this week. Yeah, it sounded like Urban did, didn't either. <laughs> Apparently, he canceled <laughs> some meetings yesterday, so he didn't have to talk to the players. Just uh, uh, what a mess. Uh, well, South Carolina coming up, as we said, uh, the one thing I wonder about this week with them, they don't they don't score a whole lot of points, but they don't give up a whole lot of points. But they are giving up uh, well over a hundred rush yards per game. Just to kind of help, but wonder if if Hypo and that ground game get unpacked again this weekend can have another big day. Hey, ten, or uh, South Carolina scored thirteen points against Georgia, which is easily the most anyone scored on Georgia this That's year. So. That is true. Maybe we're underestimating that offense. No, again, I, yeah, I think this this matchup in the trenches is is really what I'm interested in. Um, I do the defensive line is South Carolina's strength. They get after it. Um, but Tennessee's running the ball really well, coming off 458 rushing yards against uh, Missouri. 
So that, that's where that game is going to probably be decided when you're looking at it. And yeah, if Tennessee keeps imposing its will on the ground, which Josh Heupel's offenses like to do, it's not just a pass all the time thing. Right. That's going to be fun to watch again, I think. Mike, great stuff, man. We always love talking to you. Just you slipped right in on Zoom, and you were just there ready to rock and roll, uh, always on time. At by Mike Wilson on Twitter, anywhere you want to consume the Knoxville News Sentinel, you can get Mike's writing there. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it, Mike. The Mike Wilson. Always fun to have him on. Um, I got some some pressure stats about Ryan Tannehill from the game on Sunday. I found these uh, next-gen stats. Let's just say the Jets really got after him. Like, really got after him. We got those next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Starting to turn our attention to... Titans and, and Jags. It's Tuesday, though. No practice for the Titans um, today. So we'll we'll really hit that tomorrow hard because they'll be back on the practice field. Ryan Tannehill got sacked seven times. Seemed like he was just being harassed all day. Um, a lot of people were saying, well, you need to get rid of the ball. Well, he, I think he got rid of the ball faster this game uh, than he has in any game so far. Now, part of that was he had to, but he's getting rid of the ball. Uh, he was pressured. This is next-gen stats. He was pressured on 21 of his 56 dropbacks, which is 37.5% pressure rate. Four different Jet defenders generated six or more pressures. That's tied for the most in a game by any defense since 2016. And we talked a lot about, well, the Jets had only scored 20 points and they got 27. And, you know, that Wilson had only he'd been sacked 15 times. They only got him once. We're talking about all these things on the other side. But on this side of the ball, the Jags team pressures week one through three, they got 21. And against the Titans in week four, they got 21 Tell pressures. The Jets. Just, the Jets, yes, just in that game. Well, you know, there's always the notion, and I get why the fans, uh, you know, hey, get rid of the ball uh, when they were getting pressure quicker than any other defense, and their defensive line is elite. Let's just put it out there, even in the NFL. Uh, now, only thing I would would say to defend that for the fans who want him to get rid of the football. It's not like a Marcus deal where Marcus is holding on to the ball like four seconds. You know, he was too long. Here is the the pocket was crumbling in front of him every time. And only thing you could say is throw it at the ankles of a receiver, even though they're not open. Right. You can still say that to a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Don't take the sack, especially if it makes your field goal a little longer, which yeah. happened one time. And he should know these things. So uh, I think it may have been one. I won't even say it was two times he could have done that. But eventually at some point you got to get a, I have to get rid of the ball because my protection's not there. Now you don't want to speed up your clock where you're trying to force something. And I think that's what he was guarding against and try to anticipate and throw it before they even get to their break point. Mm-hmm. And you got to throw, a, you know, not a speed ball. You got to throw a little slower ball and then you don't know what's going to happen. Guy turns around, then you may, if you try to take something off of it, it may end up being behind him or too far in front of him. The DB has a chance. So I, I really had no problem with the way Tannehill played in this game uh, as far as getting rid of the football. And you go look at all the stats, all the numbers are going to say he got rid of the ball in, in two seconds or, you know, maybe a little over that. And hey, what can you do? That, that, the offensive line was putrid when it comes to pass protection. Seriously, the whole game. So that's why I say it's on the coaching staff more so. If you're watching a game, and sometimes you can see these things in it on the sidelines, sometimes not. But that's why you got guys up in the booth. 
Mm-hmm. Now they're watching, they're looking down. And to me, you should say, okay, let's chip. Let's keep tight ends in. I don't care if we just have two guys in a row. We're not letting them continually hit our quarterback. It was pretty obvious and clear when they go back to pass that our line couldn't block their front four. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they were disguising uh, blitzes and bringing different guys. Let's don't, you know, but that wasn't every time. Right. So uh, I just thought maybe we should have done that a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that's trying to protect my quarterback at all costs. Uh, and if not, guess what? Then he can throw it out of bounds if nobody's open. If I only have two or three guys in a route and right. they're not open, and now I know they're not hitting my quarterback. And so we can buy some time. And man, maybe somebody can can get open. Hmm. That's somewhat what Zach Wilson and crew did. Yeah, because you know we're getting pressure. I feel bad for Landry. We're gonna give our game balls out today, but yeah, that's what they did. So there's a lot of things here from from coaching to players. Uh, just, you know, when you lose, everything is bad and everybody didn't play well. Even you can say Henry feels bad as much as he did for the team because they didn't win. Right. That's how you should feel. Even though he still, I mean, he felt like he did all he could do <laughs> considering how many times he touched the ball. Uh, so he he's just as pissed that they lost and felt like he, he should have uh, done more. Uh, you notice how Vrabel makes sure he doesn't say his name, though, when he's talking about guys got to do more. He said a quarterback, but he never said Derrick Henry. Because <laughs> he knows that <laughs> there's I'm nothing. Man. He's of, of all the guys on like, that guy could have gave me more. He gave me all he got. I mean, 35, 35 touches in the game. He's he's twenty. Uh, th- these stats are out too. He has twenty more touches through four games than he had this time last year when he ran for two thousand yards. Oh, I thought you tweeted out something about he had he has more yardage rushing than after contact than than the second leading rusher. I haven't like tweeted that. that, but that was the same last year. Yeah. It was like Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry after contact, <laughs> I think then Dalvin Cook. Right. That's usually the order that it goes for him. That's what it is right now. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I thought, I thought, yeah, I saw it somewhere. He has more yardage after contact than the second leader rusher behind him. I think him. he has 365, he has 510 rush yards. I yeah. think he has 365 after contact. Dalvin Cook has 362. And he's the second leader rusher? Cook is, yes. Yeah. Oh, and he didn't play last week either, did he? He was inactive last yeah, week. He was. Right. Yeah, he was injured. Yeah. So. I don't know about this past Sunday, but the week before he was definitely inactive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's put the team on his back. So, yeah, you, you definitely, as a head coach, steer away from even mentioning his name. <laughs> well, You don't want to piss off the king. Nope, and inevitably you're going to see him did not practice on oh, some man. days every week. That, oh, yeah. that man needs his rest. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I probably uh, would just have him doing stuff on the side jog and make sure he gets the blood flow in there, get yep. loose, uh, hold a clipboard all the way. I, I may not have him do anything until Friday, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, as far as, like, you know, actual practice. Now, sure. Just stuff on the side and catching the ball and just getting some of that more of that lactic acid. I'm sure he's doing a lot of things off the field on his own uh, to make sure he's preparing his body to play. And uh, so in Jaguars, he's always pretty much had good days. So I'm sure he thinks it's going to be a great week. JV says in the uh, in the chat here, Zone TV chat, listening to Blaine, I swear he would be a great coach. <laughs> Which I've told you before, you're welcome to go coach anything, but I, I need you for two hours a day. So that's your yeah, window. I could, you I coach could do, anything. I could do Zoom calls uh, from, the, from the office there, wherever I'm coaching. Right? Okay. Well, Lord, uh, let's get you coaching those DBs. Uh, oh, I'm t- I told you I would have I blew my top, man. <laughs> about- I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real big on just having a, a smart, uh, you know, defensive back because the game is already too hard to play the position. It's right. built around the offense and putting up points, and even more so now you can't even touch them. I mean, I mean 
man, I, I you got to understand, regardless of the call, and I'm going to say this because there's some times you, you get a call and go, oh, man, why are we running this right here? And you got to be able to navigate through that based off down and distance of how you're going to play it. Right. You got to you gotta be – I mean, you're in the NFL now. You're, you're not a robot. You're not the best player on the field. You're one of the players on the field. Right. And uh, your talent's not going to win all the time. It's just not. These guys are too good, and you got to put be you got to use your brain out here uh, to win some battles, and I I think that's why most guys uh, lose those battles. I think that's why Christian Fulton. You could say, oh, it's his second year; he had a big jump, but I think he's playing a lot smarter and he's playing confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know where he went to train and what he did, or, or if he did anything. He's just staying healthy. Uh, knock on wood, he did have you know an ankle issue, but so I, I just see him playing smart. I don't think he's an elite level talent. Now, he's pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm talking about for NFL standards. He's he's just a real good, solid, starting NFL cornerback. Yeah, yeah, and he and he's being smart and due diligent about how he goes about his business. I'm interested though how much he, reps he did at, at the slot in, 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 in practice my, leading up to last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would assume that he didn't do very many. Yeah, yeah. so they got to relinquish uh, some of the uh, ankle bracelets off of some of the youngsters. Yeah. You gotta. You got to exude confidence, and they're going to make mistakes, and you must still exude confidence. You're going to need these guys. You're going to need them. You got, you, got to, you got to put them out there. Got to get the feet wet, and he's got to live with the mistakes. Hopefully it's not one that costs you any games. Well, and they've had several blown coverages without him. Right. Blown That's coverages without not, young people. So guess what the, the, the young guys are saying? Hmm, they're doing the same thing. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the sideline right here. Yeah, so are you going to bench them too? Oh, they got, you know, got more pellets in, <laughs> on the wild than you do. And Lucas is going to bench us if we don't say bye for the segment. Yeah, we got yeah. a whole other hour coming up. Coach Mack will join us to break down what we saw with the Titans, what we're going to see this week. Coach Mack coming up in about 25 minutes. Headlines next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Yeah.